Welcome to WTBU News Today. I'm Mia McCarthy. Boston has been much colder and rainier this week. Temperatures Thursday are expected to reach a high of 48 degrees, with the rest of the week still looking cold and rainy with a chance of snow on Friday. Now we'll move into the Boston University COVID-19 dashboard update. On Tuesday, October 27th, five members of the Boston University community tested positive for COVID-19. Four of them were students and one was an employee. For the week of October 21st to October 29th, 0.13% of tested students were deemed positive for the coronavirus, with 0.11% of tested faculty and 0.15% of tested staff also receiving positive test results. On average, BU's lab took 20.9 hours to process each test. In total, 229 members of the Boston University community have tested positive this fall. 49 students are currently in isolation, and 120 students have recovered from the disease. This is the first time in more than a week the number of students in isolation has decreased. Cerelia Liu is here now to report on International Education Week at Boston University. The International Education Week started on October 26th and will end on November 2nd. International Education Week has been held since 2000 to celebrate international education and the exchanges between the diverse cultures. This year, most of the events will be held virtually due to the pandemic. There are five events that will be held during the week. Discussions about race and diversity in the U.S. Experiences of Italian women who made big changes for the society. Advices for international students for their interview while searching jobs in the U.S. The Global Dinner Club teaching people how to cook. And information about how to apply the U.S. permanent residence which is the green card. For more information, please visit bu.edu slash global programs slash discover slash events slash IEW slash. In Taipei, Taiwan, I'm Surya Liu from WTBU News. Joining us now is Grace Ramey with an update on the Boston Marathon. On Wednesday afternoon, the Boston Athletic Association announced that the 2021 Boston Marathon will not be held on its yearly Patriots Day date. The organization is planning to reschedule the marathon to a later date in the fall and says they will be making plans to announce the new date by the end of 2020. The Massachusetts Coronavirus Reopening Plan prohibits road races until the state can enter Phase 4, and thus far, only lower-risk communities have moved to Phase 3, while many communities in and around Boston remain in Phase 2. By shifting their focus to a fall date rather than an altered plan for a spring date, The CEO of the BAA hopes that they'll be able to continue to work with stakeholders to create an adjusted in-person experience both for runners and supporters. The brain power that was going towards the altered spring experience will now be put towards Plan B ideas for the spring, including a weekend date or a reduced field size that would interact with fewer communities in the greater Boston area. This previous year, The Boston Marathon Virtual Experience had 15,972 participants compared to the typical 31,500 runners in Boston, so getting numbers back up in the safest possible manner remains the top priority for the BAA. In Belmont, Massachusetts, I'm Grace Rainey for WTBU News. And now we'll head over to Isabel Wolfing for a story on a new experimental COVID-19 antibody drug. The U.S. government agreed to pay $325 million for Eli Lilly's experimental COVID-19 antibody drug, the company announced Wednesday. The deal is pending on the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's emergency use authorization approval. The agreement includes 300,000 vials of the drug 
and gives the U.S. the option to purchase an additional 650,000 vials through June 2021. Eli Lilly requested for an emergency authorization from the FDA in October to administer the drug to people with mild to moderate COVID-19. In the request, the company cited partial results from a mid-stage study that hinted the drug could clear the virus sooner and help avoid hospitalization. As the FDA grants authorization, the U.S. government committed to making sure there are no out-of-pocket costs for patients in need of the medicine. The announcement comes days after Eli Lilly stopped administering their drug to hospitalized COVID-19 patients as it failed to show any benefits at that stage. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Isabel Wolfing for WTBU News. Next, a story regarding voting issue lawsuits from Natasha Abrams. Today's number of the day is 300 because that's the amount of lawsuits that have been filed across 44 states over voting issues related to the pandemic. Democrats and Republicans across many states are arguing over when the deadline to receive mail-in ballots are and when they should be counted. This week, many state courts are making rulings about when ballots must be received by. In Pennsylvania, Republicans are trying to reverse the decision made by the state Supreme Court that they will count all mail-in ballots that arrive until three days after the election. North Carolina extended their deadline for ballots arriving up to November 12th, as long as they were postmarked by election date. However, Texas's state Supreme Court upheld Republican Governor Abbott's policy, which limits each each county to a single drop-off box for mail-in votes, making access to polls difficult for some voters. The Trump campaign has decided to sue the state of Nevada to stop the counting of absentee ballots due to alleged signature fraud. Similar rulings and disputes by Republicans in the Trump campaign are occurring in other states such as Michigan and Wisconsin. This comes almost a week before the election when over 71 million Americans have already voted either through mail-in ballots or early in-person voting. This is a remarkably high number when compared to over 51% of overall voter turnout in the 2016 election. In Sarasota, Florida, I'm Natasha Abrams for WTBU News. Finally, an update from Victoria Popovska about the head of the World Trade Organization. The U.S. blocked Wednesday the appointment of Nogozo Okonho Iwela as the head of the World Trade Organization. Okonho Iwela, who is Nigeria's former finance minister, had been recommended by the WTO's 164 members of the nominations committee. WTO spokesman Keith Rockwell said previously that just one member country did not support the candidate, Okonho Iwela, and later on he confirmed that the objection came from the U.S. The U.S. is supporting South Korea's candidate, Yoo Myung-hee, and has been unwilling to budge. The WTO's selection process to find its next director general has spanned four months and will now continue for a next meeting on November 9th to discuss the issue. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Victoria Popovska for WTBU News. That's it for this edition of WTBU News Today. Be sure to tune into our full program every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern over on WTBU Radio. On behalf of Gabriela Lopez, Megan Gregoire, Alex Corey, Varsha Subramanian, and Lily Kepner, I'm Mia McCarthy reporting from Boston, Massachusetts for WTBU News.